Hello and welcome to the Sprocket Podcast. This is Brock Dennis. I am here to announce a special re-release of episode 58 with Tom's Cargo Bikes. Now, Tom was uh, was and is an incredible human being. He uh, is the person who built the cargo bike that E.J. Finneran, friend of the show, passed along to me. And I've been riding that bike with my son around town quite a bit over the past uh, what, couple weeks, I guess. Um, so, yeah, we're going to release this audio, this, uh, this interview that we had with Tom from 2011. It's been a long time. But before that, I wanted to also add a little bit of context. So I called up EJ to chat with him about the history of his cargo bike and, I guess, uh, his experience with it all. So first we'll play EJ's experience. Uh, how'd bedtime go? Uh, easy. She's, she's great. <laughs> okay, good. <laughs> uh, so typically you don't have, like, big problems or, like, fits of, like, I don't want to go to bed or whatever? Not yet. Okay. Um, um, yeah, she's, she, like the biggest problem is she wants me to read her all the books. Uh-huh. And we usually do three. And so at the end of three books, she's like, uh-huh. she has her little like hand sign for book. Uh-huh. And I'm like, yep. no, we're, we're done tonight. And she's, <laughs> she'll sometimes throw a little bit of a, like, she'll cry for like a second and then I close the door and she's quiet. Yeah. Usually. So it's, she's pretty great. Okay. Well, that, that works out well. Um, uh-huh. yeah, I, tonight I got lucky, um, and we didn't do any books at all. Um, he just, uh, <laughs> Uh, for whatever reason, he was like really uh, kind of he was giggly, and he was like he he wanted me to say bow, um, <laughs> and I don't think that I had done that. I think oh. he just thought it would be funny if I said it, and so he he would say it, and then I would say it. Yeah, and he would he would just fall apart laughing. So <laughs> that was how he went to bed tonight. So that, that's awesome. It's good news because usually he's like overtired probably that we like haven't put him to bed soon enough and he's like trying to play with his blocks and then just like vibrates with rage because the blocks aren't doing what he's wanting them to yeah, do so exactly yeah so oh, anyways man. for you and i both uh a good night so yes awesome well what i wanted to ask you was um just kind of like what was your experience with that tom's cargo bike yeah, yeah. um and so i figured I'd, I'd just see uh what you knew about the bike uh, and then, uh, kind of what your experience was with it. Yeah. Um, I'm trying to remember, I, I had like for a long time wanted a cargo bike, but had no real reason to have one. Like I didn't carry a <laughs> bunch of stuff via bike. Uh, but then we got a dog and I was like, uh-huh. I'm going to use this as my excuse to get a cargo bike. Cause I had visions of, you know, biking to dog parks and, and stuff. Yeah. And so I just put like a Craigslist, like search auto search on for cargo bikes and I was looking for like something relatively cheap because I didn't, A, I didn't know that I would like riding a front loader very much. I had never yeah. ridden one before. So this thing popped up and I, th- I think it mentioned that it was a Tom's bike in the ad. I can't remember now, but I remember had, I had heard about Tom's cargo bikes. I think I had seen some short film or something on Vimeo about his process, you know, like sort of showing what he had done. And so I thought it was just kind of a cool a, that they were reusing old bikes was like cool, kind of a cool idea. Um, um, so I guess I knew a little bit about, and then I bought the bike. Yeah. Um, and then I sort of like, then I was able to find his Flickr stream, I think, and found the original photos of it, like when it totally. was originally made for the family. And so that's kind of just kind of 
it's kind of cool to sort of know that what you bought on on the internet has a little bit of history. Um, totally. And so was that the? Um, it's number ninety five, if I'm not mistaken. Ninety five to ninety seven. That sounds right. I can't remember off the top of my head, but yeah, I'm terrible with these numbers. I feel like I should know. <laughs> I, I wrote them down on somewhere on the bike so I wouldn't forget. Oh, nice. But um, but I've forgotten in this conversation. Um, what, but did you get it from the original owners, like the first people that had it? I think so. I, yeah. I, I didn't, I didn't like, it was, you know, it's a Craigslist transaction. So I don't want to like uh, sure. their personal life too much. Tell um, me about your family. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, but I, I, I think I remember when I looked up cause the photos on there's Flickr account include the people who bought it. They, they, oh, I sure. it was, the, I think it was the same people. Okay. Um, uh, but they had upgraded to like a, you know, fancy schmancy electric cargo bike and right. selling this one. So, um, so yeah, I, it was, it was funny cause I basically test wrote it and I, it was the first time I'd ever ridden a, a front loader. So yeah. I was kind of like, the guy was like, well, have you ridden one of these bikes before? And I was like, <laughs> no, he's like, he's like, and how do you explain it to somebody? You're like, you gotta just kind of, I, you'll figure it out. Yeah. And luckily he lived on the top of a hill. So I could just kind of like coast down and like not have to worry about pedaling i could just kind of like find my balance and i found it really easy to ride which was awesome yeah it is different right and that was the thing um just because when you passed yours on to me uh what i found out was that i didn't know how to ride it i thought i remembered (laughs) but it's such a different geometry mostly because the i think what the the wheel is way up front yeah the handlebars are way back by you and the the cargo platform and and box are in between the two and so um every turn of the handlebars is really exaggerated like it it makes a big difference in which direction you go it's uh uh, a game of degrees right so yeah but but you did okay you you found your balance and i i made it home in one piece the first ride which i think was a i think it was a was a win um yeah it is interesting it feels like it feels like you know with a normal bike you kind of steer with your hips Right. For the most part, you know, right. um, and this, you kind of do the same thing, but then you have to kind of like catch the front of the bike up with the wheel. <laughs> afterwards. Totally. That's a good way to put it. Yeah. Yeah. It's pretty funny. Wait, so you rode it home from the transaction. You're just mm-hmm. like, Hey, nice yeah. bike. Did you, yeah. did you bike over there on your own bike? I, I biked town over there. Cause I, <laughs> oh. I wasn't sure, I wasn't sure that I could, fi- I wasn't, I'd never seen it, like never put anything in there before. So I wasn't yeah. sure I could actually fit and I didn't want to bring a whole bunch of straps and then find out that I couldn't bring my bike home <laughs> with me. So I just biked town over there. Yeah. Okay. So bike share, you pick up one, you drop it off where, where you're going and then you, yep. then you rode the bike home. Yep. Easy, so easy. How, how did it work out with the dog? Uh, the dog was not impressed uh, at all. Um, the dog, the dog, we put her in there. We gave her some treats. The dog was like, uh, "This is not like." It's basically, as soon as we tried to move it off of the kickstand, right? She was, she was, bam, out of the out of the bucket. And I, I mean, I've talked to people who have done this, and it's it. They, it takes a long time. Like you have to be really, really patient and, and train the dog. And we just, we, you know, I tried a couple times, and she just really wasn't into it. And so I kind of uh-huh. gave up after a while. But. <laughs> Uh, and then the, the dog, the dog died, I think last, last year. So oh, I'm uh, sorry. That's yeah. It's okay. She, we, we adopted a very old dog and we kind of, yeah. it was, uh, near the end of her life. But, um, so she never got to, <laughs> never got to ride more than about six inches in the, in the bike. But, okay. um, uh, but yeah, we got to use it for all kinds of other stuff, which was great. I gotcha. Nice. And, uh, so did your kid ride? Uh, she never rode in that bike. Okay. Um, I never had a seat that I felt comfortable putting her in. She, right. she, you know, she's still like, we had her 
I think in May of this year was our first bike ride and it was in like a yep seat, pretty yeah. straps down and you know, all that kind of stuff. So I never and, felt super comfortable putting her in there without a pretty secure seat. Right. Uh, to make sure that she'd stay there. And yeah. the yep is the, that that's what mounts on the frame in front of you and behind the handlebars. Right. So kind of. The, the one that we had her was a rack mounted one. So it was okay, behind, so behind, behind okay. Ellie. Yeah. yeah. Kind of the traditional uh, kid yeah. seat. Yeah. yeah. For sure. So yeah, we we got one of those for Ellie's bike, and I basically carried everything else. So we were able to like with that bike, we were able to put like the diaper bag and a cooler <laughs> and you know blanket and like all kinds of stuff, and then have a picnic in the park, which was awesome. Totally. So, yeah, yeah, we just did that uh, as a family for the first time because uh, Adele is pregnant with number two. Oh yeah. And so uh, very far along, but she's got her uh, her kind of town bike all set up, so she can still mm-hmm. bike around. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, and so me and my son uh you know hopped in the the blue cargo bike and we found this cool spot like maybe two probably not even two miles I, i'm not sure exactly how far but not far yeah uh, gear park down here in salem has uh they've got a, a pump track uh so oh, nice. if i ever get a mountain bike i could go over and hang out Just i can take the cargo bike over that's fine. well i briefly considered like <laughs> let's ride up to the top and see what we can do but i also uh, i think there were people there and <laughs> And also, I didn't think it was up to the task. <laughs> Fair enough. I do remember there was some video of uh, was Olive Root Beer and Dingo the Clown. Um, oh. When Cascade, I'm sorry, is it Gateway Green is the kind of the mountain mm-hmm. bike park, which right now is closed, right, for uh, remodeling or, or some oh, yeah, doing or something. Some extra stuff, yeah. Yeah. Um, but I, I think there's video of at least of Olive with her tall bike um, riding on the gateway that's, green that's awesome. <laughs> up and over some hills and whatnot. <laughs> and I think she's got a shorter wheelbase. So I think that worked out. Okay. It's still, yeah. I think there was a, a hilarious wipeout. I got to find sure. that video if it exists. I'm sure it does that, somewhere. That's, Cause that's how I saw it, but <laughs> yeah. Um, I can't imagine because my tall bike also built by Tom is like eight feet long or something. So I don't <laughs> think it has, I would high center easily. Uh, yeah, yeah, I, I'd sure. be like the semi truck you see on the train tracks that just can't go anywhere. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, when I was, when I was just kind of doing some looking around and researching, uh, trying to look for evidence of Tom on the internet, I couldn't quite tell if, uh, if the Instagram profile I found was his or not, oh, if it yeah. was, he got a haircut, but I have no idea. <laughs> Uh, but I was searching around and I found, um, uh, what was it? Is it Chicago? Chicago. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> com or something along amazing. those lines. <laughs> when you lived in Chicago, did you ever see anything like that around town? I don't think so. Cause I live there. I, we, we moved here in 2012 and I feel like cargo bikes, even in 2012 were kind of rare in right. the States. Um, I think the bullet was sort of relatively new at that point. And that was the, that was the first one I remember hearing of that you could actually like buy at a store. Like, like a commercially not, available, not yeah, just a not freak have bike. To Im- not have to, and not have to import or not have to import it from Europe. You know right, what I mean? Right. Um, uh, so yeah, I don't, I don't remember seeing any, any big cargo bikes like that in, in Chicago when I lived there. Yeah. I think it's definitely turned a corner in any, any city that's like somewhat bikeable and has a community of people who like to bicycle. Yeah. I think it's not uncommon to see a cargo bike now. Um, yeah. even like when I moved down here at first and even before I moved here, I remember like walking to the train station and at the end of the day, there was this guy who I think he had a bullet and it was like a nice custom, like wooden box that he'd mm-hmm. set up and he was always presumably riding to get a kid. Cause it looked like it was set up for kid <laughs> transport, but I'd never saw the kid in the bike. Uh, and then after we moved here, I think I saw the guy with a kid in the bike and I was like, oh, oh, I'm, I'm here at a different time of day. But, um, <laughs> yeah. 
yeah, I still haven't connected with that person. I have no idea if they're like, you know, part of uh, any of the bicycle circles that I would be. Uh, and I'm not really, it, COVID is a bad time to make bike friends, really. Sure, um, yeah. But we are planning on taking the, uh, the Tom's bike for uh, Northwest Hub uh, that we had on the show like two months ago oh, now. Yeah. Or one yeah. month ago or something along those lines. Uh, Abdul from there is uh, leading a, uh, you know, a, appropriate measured distanced ride uh for halloween so i nice. think we're going to try and drop in there with uh, the cargo bike and with some costumes so that'll be fun yeah so uh what did you upgrade from after you uh after you passed on the cargo bike oh what, what's the new one yeah uh we got uh, i got an urban arrow um a white urban arrow which uh it's it's been great yeah um uh I, like I don't know, maybe a couple weeks ago uh, after work, I just took Willa for a ride up to the top of Mount Tabor, which was super easy because I can just <laughs> push the button and make the car and bike go faster. Nice, um, but it's, that's really nice. It's yeah, it's really nice. And is that? I, I just saw something on the internet. I forget who it was. It probably wasn't Urban Arrow, but I think there was some cargo bike company that had a walk mode where like it was an e-assist. That's what this, um, there's, this one has it? that. You basically okay. like, you push, I forget the combination of buttons, but then yeah. you can just like, it just sort of pushes the bike forward at, you know, right. like, one, one mile an hour or whatever. And that allows you to kind of go uphill without killing yourself. And I mean, yeah. presumably if you're using it for its purpose of carrying anything, uh, it gets harder <laughs> to push uphill and you already have to worry about keeping it upright. So yeah, that little, that little assist is probably nice. Yeah. I mean, it's uh, like, for example, I don't know if you've, I don't know if you biked up Mount Tabor much, but like there's yeah. a little section where like the fence is closed, but you can, the bike, bikes can kind of go around, but it's kind like up, snake it's through like, that little, it's like up a little, like half a dirt path and then back down and like getting, <laughs> yeah. like getting an eight foot long cargo bike, like kind of like, like pump track sort of swoop thing around is hard. So for sure the walk mode was helpful. Yeah. Oh, that's great. Yeah. And so overall, uh, the Thomas cargo bike mm-hmm. proved to you that you wanted another one. Yeah, for yeah. sure. And I mean, it proved also just the utility of them. I mean, even without carrying children, like the back, I could just like bike to the hardware store and get a gallon of paint and throw it. I was going to ask, you know what I mean? Like, what kind of cargo did you move? Uh, it, mostly, I mean, I could get, I got paint, I got, you know, anything from the store. Like, we would just go shopping for groceries and I would throw them in there, like just not having to not think about how to carry something and just like put it in the big bucket and then ride the big bucket away. It was pretty, pretty awesome. Totally. Uh, but yeah, like the, like I said, the, the picnics also were really great. Cause like with the baby, the bike ride piece is pretty easy with the Yepsi, but then you got all the, the accoutrement that come with the baby, they have the, the diaper bag and all the, all the stuff. <laughs> yep. You got to find a place to put that too. So that's helpful. totally, yeah. And if it all goes in the same place, it's easy. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, did you ever meet Tom? I never, no, I never met him. Okay. So we'll just have to, we'll have to wave at him, uh, yes. kind of out, out in the ether, wherever he yeah. is. Thank, yes. thank you, Tom. Thank you for creating an awesome bike that I got to ride. <laughs> for the gift that he gave us. That's right. Well, and, and, uh, I can't say it enough. Thank you for uh, passing it along. Uh, oh. I really do appreciate it. It's opened up a whole new world and really uh, like we had a trailer, um, and taking taking my son out and just like rolling around town in the trailer it was fun, but it was so much work to set up. Yeah, and it was. I, I don't know if he enjoyed it very much. Like I think it, he couldn't see as much. You know, with the even with the windows, it was just kind of blurry and fuzzy, yeah. and yeah. Um, and I couldn't tell like exactly if he was cool or not. Like I, I put the I, I use a mirror that attaches to my glasses when I've got him with me, mm-hmm. uh, so I can see what's happening with traffic and whatnot. And that works out pretty well for me to see traffic, but to see him in the trailer, I'd have to crank my head at a really unnatural angle to, to look back and down yeah. uh, 
all while trying to keep the bike on the road and not hit something and, and all that. Uh, and so the cargo bike just is leaps and bounds ahead and beyond, uh, the experience with that. So we're looking at, uh, at the very least, uh, Willamette Mission State Park is like 10 miles from Salem and that's got a great hiker biker spot, but thinking about all the other places that we could ride to and camp with that. So that's awesome. Yeah. No, I'm, yeah, I'm super happy that you're, that you're getting to use it. Cause it, um, I, I loved it when I had it, but having two cargo bikes was a little bit silly. <laughs> so, um, there's never a N plus one, right? Like N plus one, yeah. too many. I think my, <laughs> my wife was like, uh, really too. Uh, I was like, yeah, okay. Fine. <laughs> what if I have a friend okay. over with both want to ride cargo bikes? Exactly. Uh, yeah. What if the disaster relief trial starts up again? Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Oh, but yeah, all, all the pictures you're posting of you guys getting good use out of that bike make me happy. So For sure. Well, we, yeah, there's a couple different destinations, and we always uh, – I take one of my non-alcoholic beers along so I can have mm-hmm. something tasty. He takes mm-hmm. his snacks and his, his drink, nice. uh, and then we go look for some water, and we look for some ducks, and we find a place <laughs> to take that, uh, that mid-ride break. So Awesome. Yeah. Well, thank you. Yeah, of course. Um, I think we probably covered everything. Is there anything else that you can think of regarding the bike that you didn't get to share? Um, I think the thing that surprised me the most is when you hear that it's a custom made bike made out of another bike, you kind of expect a level of, and I, I don't mean this is a bad way, jankiness, like you kind oh, of sure. expect it to be like a little clunky, but Mark, the bike rides and, and, and shifts and everything works really well. And I, I was just, I was always impressed about how well that bike felt to ride. Yeah. Um, and if he did 90 some bikes before this, he probably kind of <laughs> dialed it in. So yeah, I mean, I guess that's, yeah. And that, that is, that is true. I sort of forget that this was, you know, almost 100s <laughs> down the line, but uh, it always impressed me for how the sort of build quality of it, you, you know, even with, you know, the welds were not always, uh, you know, you could tell it was handmade, which was, which was, I liked it, but it also yeah. felt. It also felt solid, solid, more solid than I expected. Yeah. That's kind of how I felt about my tall bike. Cause that was, again, can't remember. It was 53, I think. Uh, and I was like, well, is this thing ever going to fall apart on me? And I've broken yeah. like components or pieces or whatever. Like I think the, uh, the bottom platform was like made of pallet wood uh, with oh, a metal yeah. frame. So the welded frame is still there, of course, but the pallet wood is uh, cracked. I think maybe sure. five, five years ago now it started to crack and it's, <laughs> it's lost some of its shine because I, I used to keep it outdoors, you know, for oh, a sure. season when I didn't have a place to keep it indoors and that sort of thing. So, um, yeah. any number of ways in which, uh, that could have, I guess, uh, been deteriorated, but the bike itself is still super solid. So yeah, that's, that's impressive. Yeah. But yeah. I think that's, that's pretty much it. Cool deal. Well, I was thinking that uh, we probably need to get you and you and Ellie, if you want some time for a longer, just to like chat because yeah. you've, you've been with the show for a long time and we haven't, uh, we haven't had, I don't, have we had you on a feature before? I was trying to remember. We, we have been on, uh, we talked about our, our bike camping trip that That's went right. horribly wrong. Yeah. Uh, which was great. That was a great, uh, <laughs> great chance to retell that story. That was um, like four years ago, right? It was a long time or ago. Something, yeah. So, um, but yeah, it's been it's been a minute. I mean, we've been busy, obviously. Um, but For yeah, sure. we should we should do that. Cool deal. Well, I'll uh, I'll look at the calendar and see what we can find. It'd be uh, be something to something to distribute. Yeah, for sure. That sounds good. Cool, man. Well, hey, I hope you have a great night. Yeah, you too. Take care. I also wanted to add this little bit of audio from friend of the show. Eric Iverson, who also has a Tom's cargo bike, maybe one of the most unusual Tom's cargo bikes that there is. And they're all pretty unusual, but his really takes the cake. So in my view, you might recognize it. Wait, wait, is that is that Ross? Yep. Ah! What's up? 
<laughs> he says, what's up? <laughs> he says, Brock. I'm so yeah. excited. Where are you guys? What is that? Uh, is that Lake County? No, Klamath Basin. Okay. I've not yep. been. Well, that's new, right? The brewery's been here a while. Okay. Oh, wait. No, no. That's the one that makes the uh, vanilla porter. They make a vanilla porter? Yeah, the yep. VIP. Yep. He said the late aughts. Okay, perfect. Yeah. Yeah, so I'm, I'm just down here hanging out. I've got the athletic brewing. Pumpkin? Uh, no, this is just their standard IPA, uh, the Run right. Wild. It's my least favorite of all the ones that they make because uh, it's yeah. really hard to make an IPA that's not that doesn't have booze in it, you know? So, mm-hmm. oh, well. But uh, cheers to you. Yeah, thanks. Cheers. Just uh, scarf down a veggie burger. Sometimes I'm impressed. Absolutely. No, of course. I, I'm glad we got to connect. This is, uh, we're kind of, I'm kind of slapping this episode together this week. And so we we're like, yeah, let's run a best of. Then I realized I've got the, uh, the Tom's Cargo Bags interview, and I know a couple people who had them or have them. Awesome. So, uh, so the funny thing is, I think I started by sending you the, um, the picture of the swing cargo back, and I was like, did you know he made one? <laughs> And then you told me I was an idiot. You didn't say that. I realized I was an idiot because who else would have a swing cargo bike? <laughs> right. So, valid, valid point. So tell me, how did you get interested in Tom's cargo bikes to begin with? It had to be from Pedal Palooza. Just seeing them around and you know inquiring, I was cargo curious, I guess. Yeah. And then I, you know, kept hearing this name, Tom's cargo bikes, and then. Um, one summer during Palooza, there was a cargo bike ride and there was a bunch of Tom's cargo bikes at the cargo bike ride. I think it met at Lucky Lab. Yes. And, um, <clears throat> and Tom himself was there. Yep. So yeah, I, got, the, I got, were you there? Uh, I think I was cause it wasn't at the lab to lab ride. It was, uh, the Levante yep. cargo bikes. Um, one, one of those to the other, like uh, Southeast or Northeast or something like that. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I don't even know if I knew you at the time, but that's funny. Um, that's okay. I was there with the tall bike cause he <laughs> built mine. I do know that uh, the first okay. tall bike you ever rode was the Tom's tall bike that he built for me, if I'm not mistaken. That is correct. And I forgot that he built that. Yeah. And that's when you yep. and I met, I think for the first time, cause we were helping the polars move from one place to another. That's right. Yep. Yep. <laughs> move by um, bike. So you, uh, you got interested in that at that time. And then you also were interested in swing bikes. So odd bikes of many kinds. Uh, and yes, did you have and, the idea to combine. Um, yeah, I believe so. And, and what I did for that ride was, you know, in, in true pedal Palooza style, you know, to try to fit in with the ride, I put a milk crate on the swing bike. So then it was then a cargo bike. Perfect. <laughs> so I had, I had the cargo swing bike there, version <laughs> version 1.0. Nice. <laughs> and it's just the regular swing bike. And so like I had a... Beta 0.8. Yeah. And so um, I think I had two or three at the time. Um, and so I was talking to him about it. I'm like, do you think it's possible like, to build a swing cargo bike? And you could see the gears spinning in his head. And he's like, yeah, I think we could do kind of like the box feeds front loader style. Um, and I was like, I don't know how you're going to do it, but, um, I'm, I'm in, I've got a spare bike, um, that we can use and turn into it. And then he said, you know, he, he's, he's got spare frames and random parts and stuff he could throw at it. Um, and then I also, well, the swing bikes are inherently hard to 
pedal, you know, uh, up hills or right. Um, you, you can't stand on them. So the second part of it was I was going to get an electric motor for it. I never so thought about a, that, but that does make sense. That like <laughs> because it's rear wheel drive, um, mm-hmm. and it's got it, the if we haven't if nobody's seen a swing bike, it basically pivots in the middle, right? Um, right, right, right where you would usually want your frame to be solid. <laughs> so. Yeah, typically right where the top tube hits the seat post, you, you add another headset essentially. Yeah. But, and so, and it's a single speed. Um, so I'm like, I know that if this thing's going to be, you know, built to last, meaning heavy, <laughs> and uh, <laughs> I knew I'd have trouble pushing it um, without some assistance. For real? Um, yep. So I, I went through um, uh, well, Alibaba, which is that weird Chinese importer. Oh, yeah. And, impor- and, and imported a Chinese uh, motor and controller and stuff. And it was really weird because I was like dealing with the factory directly and they were sending me pictures of the women like building the, this wheel, motorized wheel up and like lacing the spokes. I was getting like progress shots and then yeah. three months later it shows up. And- Not what you usually get when you buy things, right? <laughs> usually you're like, I want right. that and it magically appears someday later. <laughs> yep. So yeah, that was really interesting. And then, um, so Tom was already working on the bike and then I brought the um, motor over and then it was just about done and one day i I think i took the max out with a longboard Uh and then longboarded to his house and then um, picked up the bike he he was loving it he was riding it around and then i got to ride it around and and rode the bike back into town so yeah Uh, um, did it did it ride like you expected it to it was actually a little bit easier than i thought so i i decided to put the motor on the front which in hindsight, I wish I put it in the back. So what would happen is, as you engage the motor with it had like a thumb throttle, uh-huh. it would pull the pull the front straight, and it would kind of straighten out the swing bike. Uh-huh. Whereas if it was, so it made it easier to ride. Whereas if it was on the rear, it would almost like try to pass the front. <laughs> so if, so if anyone out there is listening and they're going to do the same thing, I'd, I'd go with the rear motor. Okay, so if you want if you want it to be more challenging, uh, motorize the yes. rear end. Okay. Yes. Yeah. Cause that, does it take all the fun out of it? Oh no, it was still, still plenty of fun. Okay. Um, takes all the swing out of it though. Yeah. It would kind of straighten up. Um, okay. So, um, yeah, still plenty of swing action though. And then you would just kind of, you know, steer it. If you wanted to swing it, you could steer it with the power on. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. Uh, so I remember seeing it at a couple of different grilled by bike events, uh, during the pedal Palooza season. Uh, did you, what was, what was your largest load? Um, well, the largest load, I, I would often hook a trailer up to it as well. Okay. Um, and so I'd maybe have a bag of charcoal, like, you know, your classic Kingsford bag of charcoal and then right. maybe a folding chair or two and a cooler on the trailer. And then on the front I would, uh, so it was kind of a Bach style front end loader and I would have a grill on the front, um, typically a round charcoal grill and, uh, and then, you know, I'd have two panniers on there and, you know, panniers full of food, whatever we're grilling. And then, you know, the cooler full of beer. So it was a, it was a pretty, you know, semi trailer type setup yeah. when I was doing that. You were essentially <laughs> self-contained, I would imagine. Yeah. Another fun load was, um, I'd, I'd Zubom with it and, um, you know, there's the hardcore guys on little 16 inch mini bikes. Right. The ride and, from uh, the top of the hill at the zoo down to downtown Portland. 
Correct. Yes. And so we get to the top of the elevator and I, I had enough power where I could actually pull them up the hill. Um, <laughs> so John Timms, for example, would, would hitch on and uh, I'd pull them up to the top of the hill so you didn't have to walk because those bikes were too hard to pedal as well. Right. Too tiny. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Do you still have yours? You know, I actually just donated it to uh, Corviday or Corvidae. Okay. Caca. I remember. Caca. <laughs> I remember how to pronounce it. But yeah, yeah I donated it to uh, Lex. Um, I was kind of downsizing my fleet. Um, I did keep the motor. I eventually transferred that motor over to the scooter. The oh, okay. Scooter. Yeah, yeah, because the scooter is the one that I think eventually uh, it was. You rode it all day and all night, and then uh, the next morning it <laughs> we had to tow you, right? <laughs> yes, yes, yeah. I think uh, we got some salt water in there. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> so yeah, uh, Al, or Alex or Lex from Corvidae has it now, and I'm curious to see what he's gonna to, to do next with it. Very cool. It lives and it keeps on going. That's right. Well, I think I was, I've probably already shared some of my, uh, uh, experiences with my Thomas cargo bike that I got from EJ and it's, uh, he, he's just incredible. I've already had the tall and I've ridden the tall for years and years, uh, but they are, they're well built. Oh, for sure. Yeah. That thing, uh, I, I crashed it a couple of times and, you know, I scratched it up for sure, but, uh, nothing ever broke on it. So, uh, I'd, I don't know if Tom's still building bikes. I'm curious to hear the, the podcast or the interview yeah. when it comes out, but uh, and I, I don't think he is. I, I have okay. no idea uh, where he's at. Everything on the internet kind of goes to about 2017 or something. And then I think he just okay. kind of pulled out of the business. And I I didn't contact him again before this re-release. So maybe he'll get in touch. Maybe we'll do a second episode. Who knows? Yeah. Okay. So it's a re-release. All right. I never yeah. Did yeah. Okay. Cool. Cool. Well, I was just going to say I'd rec- highly recommend his bikes if you find a used one out there. Totally. And I got started late, but I also noticed on Instagram, there's of course, uh, Tom's cargo bikes account. And that's the one that goes to about 2017. Uh, it says that he used to run this business, then he got bored. Um, so maybe that's what happened. Uh, but then also there's, uh, the hashtag you can check out, you know, I should have thought of that a long time ago, but there's a bunch of them all over the place. So it's worth checking Uh, out hashtag Tom's cargo bikes, which I'll start tagging mine now. But, uh, but yeah, they're still in a lot of places. I'll have to do that. Um, I, and I, one thing I always wanted to do and regret not doing was uh, getting a Tom's cargo bike ride going again to Pedal Palooza. Absolutely. So well, I, I we was doing that. Yes, <laughs> we should discuss it. <laughs> Even though Excellent. I don't have one anymore. Oh, totally. Yeah, <laughs> so, I mean, yeah. why not? Let's let's bring them all together again. Yep. <laughs> all right, man. Well, hey, uh, I hope you enjoy the rest of your beer there. And uh, hi to Ross again for me. And uh, enjoy your time on the road. All right, thanks, bro. Look forward to uh, let's let's see each other again someday in person when it makes sense. Sounds good. It's good All to right. see your face. Cheers, man. Good to see you. All right, cheers. Bye, bye. Ross says bye. Bye. <laughs> and now for the interview with Tom Labonte of Tom's Cargo Bikes. So this is the Sprocket Podcast. I'm Brock Dittis, and uh, I'm here with Tom Labonte of, uh, is it tomscargobikes.com? So, uh, yeah, t- tell me a little bit about how you, uh, how you roll and uh, what you do. Well, I build uh, custom cargo bikes, but uh, I build them out of 
used existing bicycle frames. And uh, each bike is built for an individual who orders it. Generally, I like to build it out of the bike that they provide um, so that the bike fits them and is of their liking. And uh, I make it up as I go. <laughs> and, so each one is very customized then. Oh, yeah. Nice. There's no two alike. Yeah. I'm working on one right now that is I'm actually trying to duplicate one for the first time. Mm-hmm. And it'll be close. But uh, it, I told the customer it'll be more fraternal than identical. For t- <laughs> you know, <laughs> it, was the, it was in the same womb, but uh, yes, exactly. not of the same origin. That's right. <laughs> nice. So, how did you get into building bikes in the first place? You mentioned right before we started recording that you are uh, you're from Montana. So, uh, did you do some welding out there? No, actually, I did not. Um, I grew up in uh, Montana, and I would say my hobby at the time, you know, my adult hobby was uh, fixing up muscle cars. I concentrated on cars from the 60s and late 50s, Okay, and that's what I did in my spare time. Some friends and I, we rented out a garage, and we'd go around and buy cars off farmers and fix them up. So I learned a lot of mechanical and uh, how to make things work that are broken Uh this way, mechanically. And then uh, I got a desire to uh, pursue a different career, which was not available to me in Montana, so I came out here. And in the meantime, living in a larger city, the car became less and less important um, than my last Impala that I had, which I had a 65 Impala, which was my pride and joy. Those are our classy cars. Yeah. I, uh, I was trying to convert it over to biodiesel a couple of years ago with the idea that then it would be a little less um, of a big tank, <laughs> you know, sure, burning up gasoline for no purpose. Right. And then, but I uh, got in over my head. Um, Realized that the car just sat there. In, okay. in the city, I don't need it. You know, I'm not cruising the country roads and stuff as much and, right. uh, or going what have you. So anyway, so it sort of was waning off a few years ago, this interest in fixing up old cars. And then we had this massive snowstorm that shut the city down a few years ago. Oh, is that the one in 2004? 2004, was it? Um, I think it was 2000. Or 2008, I think. I think 2008 okay. is the yeah. one I'm talking about. Yeah. And... Uh, that was Snowpocalypse, I think. Yeah, I that's the one. That's the one, which I love that. Right. Snowpocalypse is fabulous. I would imagine coming from Montana, you probably are well acquainted with snow. Yeah. And it probably wasn't a big deal to you necessarily. No, it was not a big deal to me. But, uh, the snow itself, but the way we deal with it in the city is a big deal. Right. And here in Portland, Oregon, nobody knows what to do with snow or, or where it comes from or, uh, yeah, the dynamics, like everyone – People go nuts. Well, yeah, and uh, you know the difference is in a lot of uh, places that have a lot of snow have the equipment to deal with it, and Portland doesn't. Right. And so this is where um, the cargo bike business actually was germinated, I guess, was uh, the main street in front of my house got a plow, came down it every once in a while, uh-huh. but none of the side streets. Okay. So we were pretty much locked in. Now, luckily, we live in a city that has TriMet, and, you know, and I can get around. Our but, public uh, transportation is great here. Yeah, but there was no getting to the store or my daughter's school in the car right for a few days so we ran out of food had to go to the grocery store so we took the backpacks and walked it's about 15 blocks and it was fabulous yeah other other than the fact that you're trudging through snow and it was cold sure but it was fabulous to slow down and look at your neighborhood that you never see when you drive and this really struck me yeah and so i thought when the snow goes away i need to get some sort of bike that i can go to the grocery store and take my daughter to school and so this is where it started. There we go. And so then, you're also well equipped for like uh, I guess the car apocalypse. So when when, <laughs> when we hit peak oil and all the uh, all the cars are uh, abandoned on the side of the road, 
and all hope with them. Uh, we can we can just roll on with uh, with bicycles, I guess. Yeah, hopefully. <laughs> but, <laughs> nice. Yeah, so yeah, so then I uh, at, I work at the airport, and uh, Alaska's maintenance crews use um, cargo bikes to move um, when they do oil changes on planes and really? and small. Uh, Small jobs. Oh, wow. I, yeah. I don't fly much. Uh, I Usually just once a year for the holidays or so. But uh, I have never seen that. Uh, it's just out outside on the uh, – just where the planes load and everything. Because yeah. usually you have those little electric vehicles, which are also pretty sweet. But uh, but Alaska Airlines uses cargo bikes? Yeah, they use the uh, the workman's uh, front-loading trike. The, really? The uh, tadpole trike. Um, they have – I think they have – at least four, maybe even six of them lined up outside their maintenance area. Yeah, and you probably won't see them when you fly in and out because I mainly only see them at night. Okay, and they're doing work on planes that sit overnight. I see. So I thought, hey, I'm just going to build one of those bikes <laughs> and go to the grocery store with that. Sure. And so that was my first attempt. Was this uh, tadpole style trike? I built four of them before I felt comfortable with what I had, and it worked great. Other than it was slow. Okay. Really slow. Uh, slow. I would assume just because there's a lot of a lot of metal, you're dealing with a lot of uh, uh, just the weight of the frame itself. Uh, is it also like a gearing issue? Like, I don't uh, think it's gearing. I think it's the design with the two wheels up front. Okay. Um, because with a regular bike, you you. Know, okay, so first of all, I got to let you know I'm not a bike guy, so I don't know <laughs> technical things about. Like recently, probably within the last three years, I um, learned what a bottom bracket is. Okay, I always yeah. called it a gearbox. Sure. So anyways. I so. actually kind of like that term better. <laughs> okay, well, but, uh, yeah. this is where I'm coming from with a very lack of technical understanding of bikes. Right. Um, so you're, you're not posturing. You're not pretending uh, to be anything you're not. Then we'll, <laughs> we'll yeah, clear that sure. up now. <laughs> yeah, for sure. And it will it will become apparent if you ask it me anything technical. Right. Um, anyway. I actually kind of respect that because it's, uh, you know, it, it's easy, I think, if you're a bike mechanic uh, to go out and say, hey, I'm going to make a bunch of cargo bikes. But uh, you're saying, you know, I'm, I'm not really a bike mechanic. I'm just uh, I'm just a guy that likes to put things together. And uh, that's that's actually even more impressive to me. So. Well, I appreciate that, but yeah, that is that is my. I guess that would be my definition. I just am a guy who puts things together. Um, <laughs> Glad we put so fine a point on it. Yeah. <laughs> well, I, it makes a lot of sense. But yeah, so then I uh, I experimented with these four different trikes, and uh, of course at work in the break room, I talk with my coworkers about what I'm doing. Mm-hmm. Some of my coworkers are bikers, and they uh, participate in the STP, for instance, or the Reach the Beach. Um, some of them. This is a pretty serious deal. They've uh, used their flight benefits to travel to different cities to participate oh, yeah. in bike events. It seems like that would be the, the best reason to work in an airline would just be the travel benefits and being able to go places for discounted yeah. or free. Or Yeah, yeah. I, I can't imagine what would have drawn me to the business if that didn't exist. <laughs> um, but, uh, yeah, so some of my coworkers being bike guys, I would talk to them about this and – one of them said that he had an old mountain bike in his shed, and he wanted one of these Dutch Bockfeet bikes. Yeah. And he wanted me to build one out of his old mountain bike. So I said, well, I don't think I can. Uh-huh. Those bikes, I've never seen one in real life, only in pictures, and they look technically beyond my ability. Yeah, they do look pretty complicated. Yeah. Just, they, uh, yeah. Yeah, so he said, uh, well, this is a bike I don't use. Try it. What's the worst that can happen? <laughs> so I built this bike, and the first time I rode it, I thought – this is the way to go Uh because it rides like a regular bike. Right. And this is where my lack of technical knowledge comes in. But for some reason, the trike, I went really slow. Sure. I went much closer to what I would consider regular biking speed. Right. Not being a bike commuter or a racer or anything like that. To me, regular biking speed is pretty close to what the Bockfeet does. Sure. So, yeah. So then I, uh, you know, I parked the trike and, 
started immediately. Uh, this was for him, uh, my my coworker Ke- uh, Kevin, and so then I immediately started building one for myself, and uh, I just uh, shipped number fifty off to Sacramento last week. Nice. So you're so, you're up to fifty bucks built yeah. by yourself. Mm-hmm. Nice. Now I haven't sold all of them or delivered all of them. A few of them, you know, after I built them and rode them around, realized that there was some fatal flaws and took them apart and uh, used the parts for other bikes. Okay. And, and I still counted that as two separate bikes. Yeah. Well, that, that's so, a build. I mean, it's, <clears throat> it, it's, uh, yeah, it, it has its own unique, uh, unique qualities to it. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. So I'm at, uh, roughly 50. Some I haven't counted because either I forgot to count them when I built them or I don't classify them as a bike. Like I've built a couple bikes for a paint company here that you can't actually ride. They're strictly used to, you use the bike mechanism to drive a spinner oh. and then they make spin art. Oh, wow. It. Yeah. So it's it's a purely artistic application then. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Not so much transportation, but yeah. Right. <laughs> that's great. They contacted uh, was a paint company here, a local environmental friendly paint company called YOLO. Okay. And they uh, contacted... Yo- YOLO? YOLO. It's uh, Y-O-L-O? Yeah. That's okay. correct. Uh-huh. And they contacted me. They wanted a uh, pedal-powered paint spinner because they go to trade fairs and show off their paint and they do spin art to attract people's attention yeah. and then people walk away with a keepsake from them keep them in mind the problem with what they had was their electric one required um a power source so it limited where they could use it and then sometimes they weren't close to a power source and it required you know an amazing amount of extension cord sure so they wanted a pedal powered one yeah, or a generator i guess you <laughs> right we have one of those out but if you if yeah. you can do it on a bike why not huh? yeah so they asked me if i could do it and i said well i can give it a try and and I decided to build it to look like because I don't know if you've seen these uh, Starbucks does it every once in a while these blender bikes. I think I've seen yeah I've never seen one up close but uh, yeah is this uh, it's like a blender mounted on the back rack? No, it's actually um, it looks like an exercise bike with okay. a blender out in front of the handlebars. Oh, okay, and it runs off the front wheel. Yeah, and then there's no back wheel. Okay. I mean it looks strictly like an exercise bike, and that's what they had in mind. And I thought, oh that. Looks just like an exercise bike, and it has no. <laughs> it's flare. not sexy at all. Yeah, so I built it to look like a tadpole trike. Okay, and uh, and then we did it all beach cruiser with the white wall tires and the big fenders and nice. the big handlebars and stuff like that. And then you pedal it just like a regular bike, other than the chain goes forward and spins a differential and makes spin art. Sure. Yeah, but that is sexy. That's it's got a flair <laughs> of fashion to it. Yeah, it's you know it looks nice. nice. <laughs> yeah, that's great. Yeah, nice. I I, um, I think the last time I heard about something like that, I think my my wife had gone to uh, uh, some sort of Earth Fair or something, and they were making smoothies with a with uh, some sort of blender attachment. So, well, there's a there's some people here in town uh, that are associated with Shift, which yeah. I'm not 100 percent sure how that all works, but they have a an ex, extra cycle. Uh, attachment on a back end of a bike mm-hmm. that has a blender attachment. That's pretty great. And they, um, we were at, uh, we were both at a uh, the Multnomah Bike Fair this past summer. Oh yeah. And uh, they asked me about the possibility of building a bike that's purposely built for that. So that's in the works right now. We haven't uh, we haven't said go yet, but uh, we're collaborating on that. That's exciting. Yeah, that bike fair is is such a great deal. I uh, I haven't been for many years. Uh, ever since I got into long distance bicycle touring, uh, the summer is the only time that I have long uh, chunks of time free to go out and go places. So every time I've planned a trip, I, I've never known when the uh, when the, the, the pedal Palooza event is going to be. And so usually I end up booking myself out of town so I can't be there. But but I love what they do, and I love the just the the energy of the huge event. You know, all yeah. of it coming together. 
Yeah, was it Colonel Summers Park here in Portland again this year? Or no, it was – I don't remember exactly. It wasn't Colonel Summers Park, but there is on Belmont, there's an old school that has been closed down. Yeah. And it was in, on the grounds of that school. Yeah. Is that uh, Washington <clears throat> High School? That might be. Okay, that yeah, because be, it's, yeah. it's a big building with a big field, and, and right. it's not used. I always thought it'd be great if it was a McMinimins, if, yeah. <laughs> if they bought that and turned it into something. But then I guess it wouldn't be free to just go and hang out. <laughs> so actually, you can have uh, if you can have uh, bike events there, uh, that's even better. Yeah, it's the second bike event I've been there. They had the Multnomah County Bike Fair this summer, and then I think it was last year, there was a lady here in town who was uh, raising bikes, having people donate bikes, and then she shipped a container full of bikes to South Africa. That sounds familiar. Yeah. Um, I can't remember what it was called, but I think I remember hearing about something like that. Well, the organization was Bikes for Humanity. Okay, yeah. And uh, they shipped off these this container to South Africa, and it, but they had the container there at that school mm-hmm. for people to drop off bikes. Was it just a big, uh, <clears throat> big cargo uh, box sort of yeah, thing? Yeah, it was huge. And the, from my understanding was... They take the bikes over there, give the bikes out to people, and then the sh- they turn the shipping container into a bike shop. Nice. And then so now you have a business, but you also have a clientele because of the bikes that exist in the community now. Sure. And I think that was the plan for that. Right, because yeah. they're going to have to. I mean, you you know as well as anybody else that bikes don't keep themselves up, and right. <laughs> eventually you have to you have to uh, work on them again. So yeah, yeah. So I donated two two cargo bikes to that because I had one of my earlier ones that I had moved beyond because I had come up with new ideas and how to improve it. it was just sitting in my backyard. <clears throat> Excuse me. And I used it as a backup bike. And then I had another bike of a customer who backed out on me and uh-huh. I was almost finished. So um, the lady who ran it, which I don't remember her name right off the top of my head, she approached me about donating a bike mm-hmm. right after this guy had backed out. Oh, So I thought, oh, well, I'll just finish this bike and give it to you it's almost ready might the, as well uh, the materials have been paid for yeah so i'm only out my time right so i uh i gave her that bike and then i thought oh i have this other one sitting here that's just taking up space yeah and uh she reported back to me after the um container went to south africa that one of the bikes she gave to a local high school shop teacher mm-hmm. in south africa and his plan was to reverse engineer it and then teach students how to build it that's Which awesome! Fantastic. That's yeah. fan- that means your work is is the basis of uh, somebody else's learning and somebody else's eventual project. Yeah, and it, it's just I think it's fantastic that somebody might be building their own cargo bike in South Africa. Yeah, that that's really cool. Actually, yeah. that's fantastic. So I, I was thinking about uh, um, just as far as putting bikes together. You said each one is is different, of course, because you're you're using old frames and old uh, old bicycle pieces. Um, <laughs> So each one is going to be unique, but uh, do you do you build them on a, kind of a, a rough model? Like, is there a, a certain look you're going for? Or does each one have its own? Uh, are you trying new things with each build? Yeah, I, I actually try something new with each build just to try and improve it, uh, make things. Um, you know, I'm trying to come up with a system with the theory that if somebody orders from me, then it's just something I can build. Okay, and I don't have to make up as I go. Yeah. Um, what I'm discovering is that's just not possible with the endless variety of bike frames unless i buy the same bike frame every time um it's not going to happen and then compound that with the fact that i have no jigs so even if i did build the same bike frame still going to be slightly different so yeah i uh i try something new with each bike um each bike lends itself to some different design too based on the design of the what the manufacturer Mm -hmm. built yeah and then each customer is going to have their own vision, which is one of the things that I think is is 
really beautiful about doing it this way is that if the customer says, this is what I want, I want the walls six inches or I want the walls four inches or I don't want any walls, mm-hmm. then I have to figure that out. <laughs> you know, And then it turns out nothing like the last one. Right. That, that must be exciting. I, I, I suppose you don't get bored that way. No, not at all. <laughs> and each bike, I feel, you know, and I think this is with anybody who builds anything, each bike is a little bit better than the last one. Sure. Yeah, so number 50 is definitely better than number one. Yeah, I think actually number 50, <laughs> I was actually a little reluctant to let it go. Really? <laughs> it's like your pride and joy, the, the, the crowning jewel of the whole collection. Yeah, well, it was. it just turned out nice. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that's so. cool. Yeah. Did you start with it? Do you think you started with nicer bikes as well, or was it just uh, like the build itself? Was- no, it's just uh, things I've learned from other bikes mm-hmm. to make this one work better. Yeah. Um, and look nicer. And I'm putting a lot more effort into the way they look now because I think I've got, I've figured out the mechanics of it. I feel comfortable with the mechanics of how the steering works and the kickstands and and all this stuff, how to attach the two frames together, I feel very confident that I can do that. So now I can put a lot more effort into, you know, the aesthetics of it. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah. I, so so when you're building uh, cargo bikes, I was just thinking about the, the steering system. It's it's kind of a uh, – the ones that I've seen uh, have like a – what, like a, like an arm sort of system so that you, you've got the handlebars in front of you and then the load in front of the handlebars and then the front wheel in front of the uh, the load of the cargo area. Is that what you're doing? Yeah, okay. that's what I'm doing. Um, I haven't put that much research into it, but I guess this is um, – stereotypically people call this a long john style. Okay. Um, or uh, the Bach feet are the two big names in this. Right. And it's um, okay. I, I know nothing about. Uh, I, I, uh, I know maybe less than you about cargo bikes yeah. as far as terminology and how to discuss them. So, well, I'm not <laughs> even sure I'm pronouncing it correctly. Uh, it, it, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so. I don't know if you're familiar with Bike Snub NYC. He uh, yes, he's uh-huh. got the blog and he he talks about uh, bake feats. Oh, shit. Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so Which yeah, I've always found amusing. But, yeah, uh, I was. You know, I've I've tried to pronounce it uh, what makes sense to me, so yeah, I yeah. call it Bach feeds. That sounds <laughs> sounds right. Well, yeah, I mean, if anybody out there knows uh, the, the, the proper pronunciation, if, if we have anybody out there in maybe in Amsterdam or somewhere else in Holland, uh, you could probably set us straight. Right. But uh, <laughs> so you've got the long John style, anyways. Yeah, yeah, and then I uh, so it's the steering is connected by a push rod mm-hmm. is what i call it okay so it's a uh, long rod that has bearings on either end that allow it to swivel in in um a lot of degrees not 360 degrees but mm-hmm. almost and so then you can uh attach it to one focal point um or fulcrum point again i'm not a uh, yeah, that's en- fine. I'm not an engineer that's and fine. then you attach it to the next one and then in theory when you turn one the other one turns equal there we go and uh i've recently i think on number 47 number 46 somewhere around there recently i experimented with a cable system using cables really? as opposed to uh, the push rods mm-hmm. how did that uh, work out it worked out fantastic on my website i have a step-by-step instructions on how to build your own cargo bike there we go based on my you know uh rudimentary design <laughs> and, and your experience yeah exactly and so what I do is uh, I took pictures along the way of building one of my bikes, mm-hmm. and then I posted it on there, and then I tried to um, type in little helpful hints about what you see okay. um, to build your bikes. And I've had tons of people from all over the world have contacted me telling me that they're going to try this, 
um, based on my dis, um, my design, asking me questions like, how does uh, this work because the picture is maybe not clear, what sure. have you. Anyways, a few people have contacted me showing me their own bikes that they've come up with their own ideas. And two different guys, one guy from California and one guy from Colorado, showed me this um, cable steering system that they had come up with that were almost identical. Hmm. And these two guys working independent from each other. Wow. Um, there's an, also a gentleman here in town who has a cargo bike that has a big speaker system on the front that's homemade. Oh, yeah. And he has the same cable system that these two guys have. And so I think it's some sort of, you, you know, if you have the, the engineering mind, mm-hmm. this is what's going to happen. Yeah. So using these three examples, I built my own. And uh, um, the guy in Colorado was really helpful with actually telling me exactly what parts he used and stuff like that. And so I went to Home Depot and were able to find like screen door pulleys. Oh, there you go. I'm not going to the door section of Home Depot looking for bike parts, <laughs> but this guy did. <laughs> and then he right. sent me on my way. But anyways, it worked great. It's fantastic. It's, I don't know, you know the longevity of it, mm-hmm. um, but it sure does work great. Yeah. Yeah, and so is that uh, that's two cables, one to pull the wheel each direction? Or? Yeah, well, with the uh, push rod, because it's a stiff material, it will push and pull right. from one side. There's not really any flex in there. Right, but the cable won't, um, you know, it will pull, but it won't push because mm-hmm. it has no, it's not rigid. So you have to run two cables and then through a system of pulleys because also the cable really only works in a straight line. So mm-hmm. you a couple pulleys on either side to keep everything straight. And yeah, it's fantastic. And it was I built it for a coworker of mine, so that way I'm able to keep an eye on it. There we go. And I can check in on with him every so often to see how everything's holding together. Right. As opposed to if it was someone you didn't know, you might not be able to unless they came back, you know, with with uh, shards of metal in their hands and saying, you know, what uh, right, <laughs> put right. these back together. Exactly. <laughs> or but and uh, with this, the guy that owns this bike, we have an understanding that this is all untested <laughs> and right. <laughs> and right. <laughs> it's like the terms of service on computer stuff. You're just like, uh, well, it, of course, it, 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 it's all in beta. Right. Yeah. So. Nice. Yeah, I was thinking the uh, the push rod thing is almost kind of like roasting a marshmallow on a campfire. Like uh, you know, you can't stick your own hand in there, uh, so you need to use the uh, the roasting stick. So right. with a cargo bike, you've got the, the front wheels way out there, and you can't steer it. So you need uh, something to. That's a terrible metaphor, anyways. <laughs> uh, well, I th- thing that came to mind. <laughs> yeah, when I first started building it, it seemed it would be inconceivable for me to figure that out. Yeah, well, it's uh, it's at the same time so simple and so complex. I guess like. It's not something that I would go to first just because uh, we're used to bicycles that have, uh, you know, the, the wheel is right underneath the steering right. as opposed to remove. So, Yeah, so the first one I built, I just built it based on looking at pictures. Mm-hmm. And I was a little nervous to ride it the first time. <laughs> but uh, what it comes down to is, like you said, it's so simple. Sure. That it just, yeah. Yeah, it's basic. <laughs> it's really, actually really basic. I love I love that it works. I think <laughs> yeah. that's, uh, that, that's amazing. <laughs> you know. So where uh, where do you acquire the the different parts and and uh, like are you buying old bikes or are you picking them up for free off a of Craigslist or? Well, generally, what I do is um, what I prefer is if you wanted to buy a bike from me or have me build a bike, you would bring me the Dalt frame. Oh right, that's and, right. Yeah, and I think then, it was on your website sometime back, and that was that was one of the one of the first things I think I saw was yeah, like you 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 bring the bikes, I'll I'll build them together. Yeah, not being a bike expert, but I have picked this up from people who are into bikes that there's a lot of measurements and feels and setups that people prefer individually for bikes. Sure. Um, I've never explored this because I've always just, you know, you get on a bike and you ride it and 
And it's fun. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> but yeah, but people are particular. And when people started contacting me at first, they were telling me about their inseams or their seat height or things like this. Yeah. That I don't, I mean, I don't know why somebody's telling me what their inseam is. Damn it, Jim. <laughs> I'm a doctor, not a tra- not a tailor. Yeah, right. I'm not <laughs> sewing your pants. But anyways, so yeah, I find yeah. this out through this yeah. that people are particular. So then it makes sense. I'm going to have to come up with an adult frame. Right. And um, if I do, then I'm going to charge you for it. Uh-huh. So if you bring it, then we just skip that part. And then it's the bike. And that makes it a lot easier. Yes, yeah, the bike that you brought to me. So when the final project... You know, there's there's a whole list of reasons why this to me is the right way to go. But the final product is what you wanted. Sure, it fits you. The mechanical issues of the bike you were aware of ahead of time. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't have to find the bike. You know, the list goes on and off of why this works. Yeah, um, good. But what happens is people order have started ordering bikes from me from across the country. And it doesn't make any sense for them to ship me an old bike right. frame. Ship them both ways, that right. sort of thing. Yeah. So what I've been doing is I'll I'll look on Craigslist and we'll talk, you know, we'll just talk individually. What's your budget? What are you looking for? And then I'll try my best to find it. There we go. Well that seems like that seems like it's a good option because yeah. I even I, I guess maybe some people might be interested in buying a, a cargo bike and they, they don't have the frames necessarily, but the, do you ever get that? Like people call you up and say, hey, uh, I, I, I have nothing. Just uh, I want a cargo bike. Yeah, I've had a few people here locally who do that, Who and they tend to be people who bikes are not a, you know that big of a thing to them either. Mm-hmm. It's something they just ride. Okay. So then they, they're in the same boat as me. They don't know actually what they're looking for. And so I've come up with a few frame models that um, I look for. And okay. those use our beach cruisers. Um, Schwinn, a few years ago, came out with a series of bikes called the Jaguar, which is a real cheap Walmart. Are those like a, like a chopper style <laughs> sort of thing? They're not really chopper. They, they, they look like maybe they were built by Schwinn in the 50s, but okay. they're not. Right. Um, I mean, they were built in Taiwan, mass-produced right. like 10 years ago. And there's a couple different uh, companies that use the same manufacturer. Mm-hmm. The bikes all are identical. Gotcha. They've got different stickers on them. Different head badges, yeah. Yeah, and since <laughs> they were sold at uh, big stores like Walmart or Target, uh, they were relatively inexpensive new. Sure. And then what ends up happening is used. They're really inexpensive. Yeah, definitely. And they're great bikes to weld onto because they're heavy-duty frames. I was going to say, yeah, the cruiser style probably lends itself more to like big tubing. and. and yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah. And, and a lot more room for me to make mistakes, mm-hmm. you know. <laughs> yeah. I assume you're working in steel, right? Like, yeah. That's the thing that – because you can get, I mean, old aluminum frames are definitely not carbon. You're not going to weld onto carbon, right, I guess. But right. uh, can you work with any other materials, or is it pretty much just steel? Just steel, because yeah. uh, I'm I'm a self-taught welder. Right. I, uh, I work for an airline, and a few years ago, one of our mechanics, um, during our downtimes or break times, whatever, just for the past time, taught me how to weld. Really? Yeah, just hands-on, this is how you do it, whatever. And then I went and bought a cheap welder, practiced at home and uh, if you look at any of my bikes you'll see that they're not pretty and the <laughs> couple reasons are is because I'm not I'm not a lifelong welder sure I'm not a professionally trained welder there's something you and, picked up and I also am not a guy who has an eye for detail like I'm not detail oriented mm-hmm. if it holds then I move on okay whereas a lot of guys are going to weld it you know, sand it down, right. finish it off, and it's going to look beautiful. That's right, not my style. So we're, we're not talking uh, <laughs> Oregon Manifest type stuff, then. No, you know, not they're, at they're, all. They're going for the the real pretty sleek as well as functional, I guess. There, right. But. Yeah. Yeah. I went to the Oregon Manifest uh, the, the the day that they did the trials. Yeah. And uh, those bikes are yeah. I mean, 
it's like rocket science compared to what I'm doing because sure. of the uh, the the attention to detail. Right, right. No less authentic, I guess, but it's definitely polished. Yeah, so, yeah. I but mean, you, I guess it'd be like I'm building a Jeep. <laughs> you know, right. it's more more for and, utility than for flash, I guess. Right, and they're building, you know, uh, maybe a a, tr- a truck that has you know air conditioning and right. everything like that. It right. still does all the purposes, but it's a little more comfortable. Yeah, GPS easier to ride. Yeah. You know, they're going to have the internal hubs, stuff like that. Sure. Yeah. So they're fabulous, fabulous bikes, but uh, I'm not even close. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> well, even in my dreams, yeah, am yeah. I that close? <laughs> well, I would say that that makes you no less valid, sir. I still, uh, I'm a big fan of what you what you're doing. So, well, yeah, good. I appreciate it. Yeah, and they they have use. I mean, and value to people who use them. You know? Yeah. So, what uh, what stories have you heard from people who you've built bikes for? What uh, what are they using them for these days? Well, um, one of my favorites is there's a local uh, bass player here in town, and. Uh, for a while, he had a standing gig at a at a bar downtown, and uh, he was having trouble loading his equipment in and out because of parking. Okay. And so he would put his bass and his amp and his head unit um, in his truck, and then he would have to find a place close enough that he could lug his equipment in, right. which became a problem. Yeah. Um, but he didn't have that much equipment. So he came to me, and we built a flatbed cargo bike, and he's able to then ride right up to the front door no matter what parking is like. That's pretty nice, actually. Yeah. That, that gives you a lot more flexibility and uh, a lot fewer restrictions as far as like where you can uh, where you can park and and probably like your lead time as well, like how soon you have to get there. Because if you're if you're driving around searching for a parking space, then that's going to factor another fifteen, maybe even thirty minutes into your your load time. Right, and then once you get parked, if you're several blocks away, you now have to carry this stuff. Right, schlepping <clears throat> gear. I, I'm a bassist myself, and I, oh, okay. I used to I used to do a lot more playing than I do now. But I remember just like hauling things around. I I, I loved my amp, and I hated my amp just because like. <laughs> You got to carry it everywhere, and it's heavy. Right. So, and I wasn't I wasn't cool enough to have like you know the casters or something to roll it. I just had to pull it around, I guess myself. So, right. yeah, that that is nice. That's a that's a utility. That's a that's a bonus. Yeah, and so the fact of the matter is, it solved a problem for him, and he uses it. And so nice. that's just great for me. Yeah. And uh, I run into him every once in a while, and still does it. And it's oh, that's been cool. A couple of years now. Nice. Oh, yeah, and I've had several businesses contact me because mm-hmm. the cargo bike is a um, promotional tool. Yeah, definitely, yeah. especially in this town too. I mean, uh, it's it's a novelty anywhere, I think. But but in Portland, I think people are especially attuned to the idea of like uh, you know, like if, if the business uses and visibly has a cargo bike somewhere that uh, if you're a bike fan, you're probably going to get more business from the bike fans uh, if you if you are known as a as a cargo cyclist. Yeah, definitely, and. And the, also, it's just because of the uniqueness of it. Mm-hmm. Anybody who walks by it, anybody who has ever ridden a bike you, just in passing, even as a child, yeah. will look at the cargo bike and stop because you don't get how it works. <laughs> like, oh, my God. <laughs> yeah. It's crazy. Yeah. yeah. It looks impossible to ride. And yeah. I mean, I get this constantly, people asking me, is it hard to ride? Mm-hmm. Because it looks like it. Yeah. And, uh, and so and it, it stops traffic. And I've been for the last couple of years. I've been sitting up on Alberta uh-huh. on last Thursday. Yeah, and uh, the comments, you know, it's just nonstop. Is it hard to ride? You know, can you steer this? Is it rideable? It's just so, like the, yeah. the same questions over and over again. Right. And so then what happens is it just stops people. Yeah. So if you're a business and you you build one, it's going people are going to stop definitely, and they're going to have questions about this bike. Yeah. And there's been a few businesses in town that have bought bikes from me, and they you know strictly use them for advertisement sure you know yeah which is you know fantastic because then uh, with a cargo bike as opposed to a regular bike 
the design is almost limited. Mm -hmm. You know, we have a huge space between the front wheel and the handlebars that we can build almost anything. You can put anything you want in there. I don't know if you remember uh, the Bike Portland News Roundup uh, had some time back uh, a story about somewhere in Holland, I think. uh, There was a cargo bike with... uh, <laughs> it had a, a container on the front that made runs from like one sperm bank to another, or like from a <laughs> hospital to a sperm bank. And so the, the, I think it was a bullet cargo bike, and uh, the uh, the chest, the the refrigerated container that they transported the uh, sperm samples in, uh, was like a, a giant sperm. It was just like this big round, you know, with with a long tail behind it. And so yeah, nice. <laughs> it was like you were <laughs> like you were jockeying a sperm around town, you know. Yeah. Uh, so yeah. It, <laughs> Something something unique that'll catch people's eyes definitely uh, definitely noteworthy. Yeah, it makes me think of uh, up in what is it uh, the Tacoma Seattle area where I grew up. There's uh, this chain of pizza uh, and beer restaurant type places, um, and they had like this Ford F650 truck or something like that with uh, you know the company logo on it, and it was like this just enormous truck. You know, it was, like the huge wheel, huge lifted, you know, big big engine and like. I think it had an actual step ladder to get up to the cab and all that because it was so big. And it was one of those things where it's just like, it's a novelty. And, you know, I think they had like a helicopter as well or like a right. yacht with, with their, uh, you know, just ridiculous. But, but yeah, it, it's the sort of thing where if you have something that people are not used to seeing, uh, it, it will, it will garner some attention. So for sure. Yeah. For sure. And then in this town, it gives you a little bit of street cred because of the right. whole bike community. <laughs> We're with the kids. We, <laughs> yep, right. we, we listen to their music. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. That's cool. Yeah. Any other uh, any other unique applications of uh, cargo bikes that you've uh, that you've seen? Well, that I've seen, or or uh, or the people that you've sold that uh, that you know about. Yeah, I mean, of course, you know, Metro Feats. They build just fabulous bikes. I've right. Seen, I you know I'm a big fan of their stuff, and they have the two bar bikes. And so I was approached by a hotel downtown to try and build a bar bike, and uh, so at first. Um, not being a businessman, mm-hmm. um, I'm. I work for another company, and they do all that. Sure, <laughs> you yeah. know, and so this is relatively new to me. It didn't even occur to me that uh, this place may have contacted Metrofeets also. Sure. Uh, I just thought, oh, they contacted me and want me to build them a bike. So I came up with a design, and when I presented it to them, they uh, then emailed me a picture of the Metrofeets bike and asked me about. This design. Hey, can you make this? Yeah. So then it, it kind of occurred to me that maybe you know this is what they're looking for. Why they haven't contacted Metrofeet? Sure. Well, come to find out, they had. Oh, okay. Um, and so then what happened was we were actually bidding against each other. Oh, nice. Did not realize that a bid war. Yeah. yeah. Not not my plan. Sure. <laughs> so all, all of a sudden you're just uh, you're uh, at least business wise you're uh, opposed to to these folks that you kind of uh, respect and admire and all that. Right. Right. So I told the hotel that uh, if they wanted a bike like that, then they need to go with Metrofeet. So gotcha. If they wanted something else, then we could work with something because I'm not going to build a bike like theirs. Right. Right. Um, strictly because you know the main reason is out of respect to their. Right. But also. I don't have that skill. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know, I don't have, like they do. That, <laughs> Tom, that makes you a good man on multiple levels. That's, so, that's fantastic. So anyway, so they ended up going with me, and uh-huh. we built a, a bike that has um, a five-gallon beer keg in the front. Okay. And a cooling system and a CO2 system hidden underneath the cargo area, and a beer tap out on the rear fender. Oh, nice. That's plumbed in. And then a, a coffee pot out on the rear fender. Also, that's fantastic. Yeah, I built a giant, oversized fender. So you get just uh, all of your all of your vices in one place. 
Yeah. Does it have a cigarette dispenser as well? No, that, but their, <laughs> their plan was to try and, uh, um, for it to be a Portland thing. Yeah. With the beer, the coffee. Right. Um, and they wanted some artwork on it, like uh, some hand painting on it. So I ended up painting this on the uh, cargo bin. I painted the, uh, like, my sort of representation of the Portland skyline. Right. And uh, put Mount Hood in the background, which, of course, is not in the background of downtown, but whatever. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> no. that's, a, that, that's a small logistical detail. <laughs> right. And, <laughs> They're uh, not going to use it for navigation. Yeah, and they have a, a – it's the Hotel Monaco downtown. Oh, and yeah. They have yeah. A, they have, I, I used to work there, actually. Oh, really? I was their night porter for a long time. Oh, okay. Yeah. So they have a dog that lives in the lobby. Oh, that's right. That, that was uh, – I think that happened after my time. Yeah, but, so uh, they wanted me to have a dog bed in it also. <laughs> so um, we built a little an area in it and uh, had a – my wife actually made a custom-sized pillow for it. That's fantastic. And then um, they really liked the whole idea that it's made out of recycled parts. Right, right. So then they got their art, their dog, their recycled, their beer, their coffee, all in one big right, thing. Right, right. It's just this iconic uh, kind of, what is it, flotilla, I guess. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and so they've ridden it in a few parades, and then yeah. they, they, they show it off in their lobby. And, yeah, it's by far my biggest undertaking. Nice. It was it was something. I'm going to have to go look at that now. Actually, a friend, a, a friend of mine that's several years younger than me is, I think, actually doing what I used to do there. And oh, okay. So back when I was there, it was the uh, the Fifth Avenue Suites. But, right, yeah. right. Yeah, I remember that. But, uh, yeah, it was, uh, that, that's pretty great. I'll have to go in, and uh, when I visit him on his night shift someday, I'll, I'll also have to check out the cargo bike and, and uh, visit the dog, I guess. So, yeah. There's so many things. There's so much changes <laughs> over the years. It's been yeah. at least six years, I think, since I've done that overnight. So, yeah. Now, good times. <laughs> That's yeah. pretty great. Yeah. Well, I, I'm just thinking we'll probably wrap up here pretty soon. I'll let you get on your way, and I'll probably have to go to work soon as well. But uh, um, I, I was thinking about uh, just like simple living in general. I know uh, you uh, you mentioned kind of getting into the bicycling thing. What uh, is there anything else in any other uh, simplifying sorts of practices that uh, maybe you've come to? I guess after after your uh, your relocation, your transplant. Well, yeah. Um, and this is no criticism at all, but in Montana, recycling really doesn't exist. Sure. And I think a lot of it has to do with the fact that there's a tremendous amount of space. Right, right. <laughs> and, it, yeah. and that's twofold. <laughs> One, you don't see it, but also just the um, effort it would put into moving it around to make it efficient. Sure. Is, uh, and so when I first moved to Portland, um, my wife is from here. Um, when we first moved in together, she was shocked at what I would throw away. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, you, but in Montana, you have like the whole, like you just have one big bin that everything goes into. Right. Same right. way in Longview, Washington, actually, their trash cans are huge there. Yeah. But then you come to Portland and it's like, there, there's like six different bins and it's like, you know, the, the, the red things go over here and, and, and right. Uh, yeah. So over the years, I'm, I am now shocked at how little trash we have. Oh, sure. Yeah. You know? And so, yeah, there's things like that. Um, but I'm not. A, I'm not. A, I don't consider myself a huge environmentalist. I'm going to try and mm-hmm. do what I can because of the fact that you don't want to pollute. You know, sure. I mean, it's just no matter what your political beliefs is, it's sure. nasty to throw stuff on the ground and pollute things. Uh, but you yourself so, don't have like a huge bent towards. It's not like a, you yeah. Know, you're not. You're not a save the earth sort of hippie. No, I, even though I, you have a fantastic uh, head of hair there. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> yeah, that uh, that yeah that is an interesting thing because that tends to be my uh, my. Uh, what people look at me as is this hippie that's from Oregon that builds these ca- um, recycled cargo bikes. Right. And, uh, but it, it, what I am is I'm sort of this uh, mechanical guy from 
um, conservative Montana sure. who's, re- who's big into you know extreme metal. Right, you're so, a pragmatist. <laughs> yeah, yeah, so here I am. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> That's fantastic. Yeah. So the, the long hair is, and the uh, if you look at my imagery on my bikes and stuff, I tend to have a lot of black and skulls and right. this kind of stuff, and it's right. uh, it goes to my uh, my interest in uh, the metal end of music. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So yeah. So I I it's funny what I get stereotyped as. Right. <laughs> Tom Labonte, not actually an anarchist. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's fantastic. I work for a huge, large corporation. Yeah. Uh, well, burns think, fossil fuels all day long. Right, <laughs> right. Know? Yeah, exactly. Right. The, the airline industry is a big uh, – That's yeah, you're going to have a lot of that. But uh, yeah, I think really – and maybe I'll get some flack for saying this in public. But I mean I feel like maybe what you believe is not necessarily as important as, as kind of how you uh, how you implement the, that into your life. You know, like like you're saying, like you're not a huge environmentalist, but like you're doing what you can, and, and uh, you're uh, you know you're you're recycling stuff, and you know it's. I think I think uh, some people are, are like you know you, you really have to subscribe to you know, like the the theory that the Earth is is falling apart, and uh, you know, and uh, I mean I think there's probably a lot of good reasons to you know, to, to go in that direction. But at the same time, like, like even if you don't think uh, that, uh, you know, we're, we're headed to hell in a handbasket, it, you know, there, there are some good reasons just to, you know, to keep your own, your own part of the earth, uh, nice and, uh, and green or, or clean. Um, uh, yeah, I think pragmatism is a great skill to have. So, yeah, I think, yeah. I think you can get uh pigeonholed or, and you can do it to yourself, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. And then we, I think that we cause a lot of trouble that way. Right. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Oh. Well, yeah, that that's cool. <laughs> well, thanks for uh, thanks for coming in and talking to us, and uh, we'll uh, we'll look forward to seeing your creations out there on the street. All right, fantastic. All it was right. fun. Thank you very much for listening to this little re-release, and uh, I hope you all are doing well. Um, this is going to be released right before the election, and uh, we don't know what's going to happen with the election. <laughs> there are a lot of unknowns. Um, I do know that whatever happens politically, it is very important that you take care of your community, that you uh, make sure that the folks that live in your community and in your neighborhood have what they need, um, that we share what we have, that we're generous, that we uh, help meet the needs of the folks around us. So regardless of of what happens with this election, whether you find the... uh, results to be favorable or unfavorable, whether you're in the United States or whether you're somewhere else, um, just uh, know that all of us here at the Sprocket really encourage you to take care of the people around you. All right. Thank you. And we'll talk to you later. Have a great day.